Well, you've turned perhaps already to Daniel chapter 2, and I invite you to turn there if you haven't. And we'll read Daniel chapter 2. It's a stirring passage. There can be some confusion, and I hope tonight to help you. Uh, we're not going to have any speculation about, uh, you know, end times and newspaper and whether Putin is the Antichrist or anything like that. But we are going to, from God's word, get a little idea of what's going on. And my pastoral goal tonight is, is very simple. I want you to be comforted and to be equipped that whatever you see coming across the news uh, reports in these days, that you have comfort and certainty in your heart that things are unfolding on God's plan right on schedule. And so let's read together Daniel chapter 2. I'll begin in chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell the dream to his servants and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time inasmuch as you have seen that the command from me is firm that if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you for you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who could declare such the matter for the king, inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king commands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except God's, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter. 
so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you. You have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as follows. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, or diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turned to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than any in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. You, O king, were looking and behold, there was a single great statue, that statue which was large and of extraordinary splendor was standing in front of you and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands And it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings to whom God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell or the beasts of the field or birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them all. 
you are the head of gold. After you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. In that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it, it's, it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, and did homage to Daniel, and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely, Your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Amen. This is God's word. Let's pray. Oh God, as we reflect for a few moments on this portion of your word, we pray you bless us. I pray you would take a passage that perhaps can seem fanciful in our minds at first, and that you would give understanding and clarity, and that you would fulfill all your purposes for this portion of your word, for your people in these days. Amen. Well, this passage, Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, we are around, say, 600 years roughly or so before the birth of Christ. This is at the, near the height of the Babylonian Empire, which is well attested outside of the Bible. There's archaeological evidence. You can go uh, to the Louvre in France. You can go to various places and you can see uh, artifacts from the Babylonian Empire. We know from history that after the Babylonians, the Median Medo-Persian Empire arose. Again, that is not merely from the Bible. That is just absolute, clear, plain, well-attested archaeological historical fact. And then hundreds of years later, we know that there's this fellow, you may have heard of him, called Alexander the Great. And he, from Greece, went to the east and swept through the Persian Empire, destroyed it, overcame it. And in a sense, Alexander the Great uh, ruled over the whole world, the whole known world at that time. And and then you know that by the time that, that Christ came along, that there was another empire, the Roman Empire. These four kingdoms, Babylon, 
Persia, Greece, and Rome are well attested, as I said, in history and archaeology. And they are so demonstrated and known in history and in the times and so forth that liberal scholars and secular unbelieving scholars look at this passage and others in the book of Daniel and insist that this must have been written only maybe a few hundred years before the birth of Christ. There's no way they hold that this could have been written 600 to 500 years before the birth of Christ. And yet it it was. God here foretold to the king of Nebuchadnezzar the unfolding of the kingdoms, and that's exactly how it laid out. And you don't have to have a certain eschatology or go to a certain prophecy conference to find this out. A little bit later in the book of Daniel, the angel that God says to explain these things to Daniel says, I'll tell you exactly what this is. This is the Babylonian Empire. This will be the Persian Empire. And the angel even mentions Greece. So this is not speculation. God gives to Nebuchadnezzar a vision of a, of a massive statue. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's imposing. It's the statue of, a, of, a, of an imposing, perhaps, king, a warrior. It, it looms in, over him and in his sight. And you get the idea of this statue. The, the head is of gold. The, the, the chest is of, of silver. The torso of bronze the legs of iron and then just the feet is like a it's like a poor mixture of clay and iron the king sees this vision and it is so startling it is so vivid to him in the night that he wakes up and he is disturbed he is this has messed with his head he wants to know what's going to happen. However, he, is, he knows this is so important. This is not just something he ate for dinner. This is, this something is going on here, but he does not trust those around him who claim to be able to interpret dreams. These, these wise men, verse 2, these conjurers, sorcerers, and these special group of wise men, the Chaldeans. And so he figures, you know, if, if these guys are so smart and so wise, they can figure out what this dream is. Well, it shouldn't be any problem then for them then to figure out what my dream was in the first place. So I just won't tell them what my dream is. I'll just tell them they have to interpret, they have to tell me my dream and then interpret it. Or else I'm going to tear them apart limb from limb and burn their house. <laughs> That's what you can do when you're Nebuchadnezzar and king of Babylon, I guess. He doesn't trust them. He doesn't trust them at all. And so, of course, they protest, as, you, as we read through. They, they say, you know, they're polite at first, but as, at, when they, their life is on the line, their family's lives are on the line, they, they protest and they basically say, verse 10, to the king, there is not a man on earth who could tell you your dream. No one can do that, only a God. Hmm. Well, he's not... That's not acceptable to him. So he determines that he's just going to annihilate all of them. And Daniel and his friends, unfortunately, are among the, considered among the wise men, and they get caught up in it, and they're, they're done too. Um, you know, we're very aware right now of, of uh, a certain fellow named Putin, and, and all is said, we've known of him for a long time, but we're suddenly aware of, of how um, much authority he, he has 
and how much fear he imposes on those around him. And we understand that, that he is able to command whatever he wants, and pretty much those around him, or at least sitting 20 feet from him, they, um, they'll, they'll, they're so scared, of, they'll, they'll do whatever. And we know some history that when people don't uh, follow along with what he likes, well, we don't find them living anymore. Um, compared to Putin, Nebuchadnezzar has far more power. Um, no one can protest him. He, he, is, he has an absolute power, and if he wants to, he can just decree, that's it, I'm done with all these wise men, I'm done with all these soothsayers, conjurers, Chaldeans, I want them all gone. Just get rid of them. Our, country, our nation will be better for it, our, our empire. And so Daniel, word comes to Daniel, and uh, I mean, really, Daniel and his friends are goners, just like everybody else. But Daniel says, hold on, um, let, me, let me just get some help here. And Daniel knows that he can't come up with the dream, but he believes that perhaps God will have mercy. And so he calls on his friends, presumably in verse 17 and following, to, to pray and then the mystery, verse 19, was revealed. And this is really the main point of tonight. We can examine the statue, and it's, it's really not that challenging to figure it out. You can, you can read a lot into it, but you have the Babylonian kingdom, that's the gold. You have the silver kingdom is the Persians. You have the bronze kingdom, that's the Greece, the, the Greeks. You have the iron, that's the Roman Empire, and then down at the feet you have, and, and this is explained later in the book of Daniel, you have that there is in the future day some kind of renewal of amalgamation of the Roman Empire, and it's, it's not like the previous in its strength, but it is a renewal in that day. That's not speculation, that's just, um, and, and by the way, uh, biblical uh, teachers of various end times perspectives all agree to that. That much is clear. God tells Nebuchadnezzar and tells Daniel the unfolding of the kingdoms, how things are going to go. And, I, and you can look in history. Did that happen? This is hundreds of years before Alexander the Great. Great, And I mean, no one at that time in the days of Babylon would have said that Greece would end up being a dominant power. And Rome, what's that? Italy, where are they? And yet they ended up ruling the whole world. But the main point in this text, as I said, in this whole, and tonight I really want to emphasize, is in verse 21. It is to God, it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. That's awesome. That no matter how imposing the figure is that is currently in power, whether it be a president, whether it be a czar, whether it be a communist dictator, um, it does not matter. That man or that woman may have a great degree of power in the present moment, but they are not ultimately sovereign. God is. And so it is concerning in the present moment, if we're reading, I read the Wall Street Journal, um, 
maybe watch Fox News, you know, the, not the TV, but the, the feeds and get updates. And others of you maybe have other news sources, but we're getting these these sources of we're trying to get as much in, much information. What's what's going on in Ukraine? This is this is alarming to us. And it, it should be. Uh, we understand that it's not only a horrible thing for the people who are in Ukraine, who have been invaded by a neighboring country, um, some over 40 million people in that country, but we understand we're, we're, we are suddenly, um, in a matter of weeks, brought from thinking of um, the great conflicts of the past between nations in Europe as being a thing of the past, to suddenly we understand it doesn't take much for there to be a war that expands far beyond Ukraine. That's not speculation. That's not unreasonable. That is in light of recent history. I mean, all of us in this room know someone who fought in World War II. Um, And so this happens. It's not speculation. It's not fear. It's you have to be sober about these things. And yet tonight I want to encourage you, I want to comfort you, especially a younger generation. As you hear the different things that come across the news and so forth, you remember this truth. And I want you to notice in the, in the interpretation of the dream, as, as Daniel explains to Nebuchadnezzar not only the dream but the meaning of it there's an awesome image in chapter 2 verse 44 and following that after these various kingdoms of men whether it be Babylonians Persians the Greeks the Romans a renewed empire and you know does that sound spectacular you don't have, again don't I'm not reading you know I'm not saying like Putin's the Antichrist or the European Union is the new. I'm just saying you can see, isn't it interesting how things can turn almost on a dime and something you thought was nearly impossible, like agreement between all these European Union countries that are fighting all over things, and, and all of a sudden they're, they're like on the, on the same page. That happened within weeks. Wow. That can happen. And so you can see that the, the idea of in the last days a a, a godless worldly kingdom ruled over by an antichrist that's not that's not outlandish that's not speculation that's that's what the bible tells us but this passage is a passage of hope because god wants his people to know and in fact he he doesn't just want his people to know he gives a notice to a pagan godless king here's what's going to happen in the days of those kings, as the kingdoms come and the kingdoms go, and even in the last days, in the, in the last kingdom of the Antichrist, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed and will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. And then you see verse 45, this stone that was cut out of a mountain without hands. The idea here is, this, this kingdom, which is like a, a massive mountain of, of granite, if you will, it was not formed by men. No group of men or women got together at a political party and, or, or exercised through their wealth or through their military might. No human formed this kingdom that's being spoken of here. This is the kingdom of God 
and of God's making, over which his son will rule. And the kingdom of Christ has come with the first coming of God, of God the Son, Jesus Christ. He has come, and so the kingdom has been introduced. But make no mistake that we have not seen the full realization of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Christ. It is coming. And when Christ comes, the kingdom comes. And when he comes, he will absolutely crush and dash to pieces every godless kingdom of men. And these frightening days of war and one evil man rising up after another will be over. It's such an encouragement. Such an encouragement. Yeah, what's going on in Ukraine is scary. Really is, especially for those who are there, of course. We have, we have reason to be concerned and to pray for our nation and for other nations in these days. But as God's people, as Christ's people in this time and in this hour, we know how the story ends. And we don't look at something like Daniel 2. I used to think of Daniel 2 or chapter 7. Earlier in my life, I used to think of that's, that's, that's end time stuff. That's prophecy. I, I'm really not so sure, you know, I can understand that. And, you know, and I, you know what now, how I think? I think of Daniel chapter 2 kind of like Psalm 2. It's like so basic. It's so rudimentary. God wants you to know as his people what is going to happen. He's not asking you to figure out every little facet of prophecy in the future, but he gave these things not for these theological experts in prophecy. He gave these things for you, Christ's people, that you might know in your heart what's going to happen, that you might be encouraged that God alone is the one who removes kings and establishes kings, who changes times and epochs. And so these things in our day, are alar- though they are alarming to us, though we are amazed at the pace of the escalation in Eastern Europe, we as a people have settled hearts because we serve a sovereign God who is over the times, over the epochs. He, he is, in his wisdom and sovereignty, allowing these things to happen. He is sovereign over them, and it will not be the end. We know how the story ends. And so even as we pray tonight, we pray to the sovereign God, the God who's all wise and who is unfolding time and history according to his plan, and the kingdom of Christ is coming soon. Let's pray. Oh God, what hope we find in your word in these days that are frightening to us. We, can, we confess that our hearts have at times in the last few weeks not only been saddened for the Ukrainian people and, and for doubtless many Russians, believers who, who know that there's, there's no reason for this conflict other than the arrogance and the pride of an evil man. We are, our hearts are burdened for them, but we confess that there have been times when when we've been a little bit frightened. For we know that from history, that not too distant history, that a conflict like this can expand rapidly and, and our own sons and daughters can get wrapped up in it.
So we thank you that tonight that we do not need to fear. That even to Daniel and his friends and the Jewish exiles living in a pagan land under evil kings, you ministered comfort and grace and hope. So they lived truly victorious lives, lives of faith in the promises of God. They were not shaken or easily blown over by the news of their own day, but their hearts were anchored with the weight of the glory of the kingdom and the sovereignty of God. And so we thank you that we can pray to you now in these next few moments to a God who's over all these things, that we can even worship you as we pray for Ukraine. In Christ's name, amen.